People with tattoos, piercings, short skirts, stained shirts, political statements, all make impressions. And sometimes we jump to conclusions about these identifications. Did you see the woman in the grocery store with the full burqa? Did you hear that dad yell at his child in the grocery store? Did you hear about the man with the heavy beard and the turban stopped by airport security? Did you see the couple speaking a foreign language in the waiting room? Are they illegals? Do we whisper about them? Do we avert our eyes sometimes when we see those who look a little bit differently from us? Do we make assumptions? During this reflective period of Lent, let us consider how amazingly a story can change when just one different view is given. Did you know Valley View Mall was recently shut down when very good people thought they saw a man with a rifle? More very good people then investigated every inch of that mall to make sure it was safe. Employees and shoppers were immediately evacuated. And then did you hear the story about the man who had the courage and the integrity to come forward, who was not carrying a rifle. He was carrying an umbrella. It was supposed to rain that day. It's amazing how a story can change when just another side is given. Do you know that very responsible authorities omitted this brave man's name in the media? Often we are very good, well-meaning people who were acting responsibly. And even still, it is amazing how a story can change when just another side is given. In today's gospel, Jesus speaks with a Samaritan woman at what is known as Jacob's Well. We are reminded of yet another story of Jesus associating with someone who was typically avoided in his day, especially by a Jewish rabbi in his community. And yet, even Jesus still again defies convention of his time and has quite a conversation in a very public place with a Samaritan woman who has had five husbands. But what do we really know? We know she has had five husbands, and she's now living with a man who's not her husband. We are told that Jesus knows all of this and tells her he knows all of it. We are also told that Jesus is tired. Now, what we do know is that the Samaritans and the Jews are enemies, although they do have some similar beliefs and customs but often even very well-respected biblical scholars, well-meaning, educated people, sometimes categorize this woman as a nameless woman who is one without morals. Others doubt that she could even understand what Jesus was really saying. 
And still other scholars say she went into the heat of the day because she wanted to avoid everybody else, or maybe they were avoiding her because of her questionable sexual behavior. Biblical scholar Dr. Gail O'Day notes, Jesus is not only talking with her and asking for water, but gets into one of the longest theological conversations in this entire gospel with a woman from Samaria. Even the Samaritan woman is amazed that a Jewish man is having a conversation with her, a Samaritan woman. Dr. Day also criticizes other biblical scholars who doubt whether this woman would have even been able to understand the substance of what Jesus is saying to her. Now, think about it. Jesus and the Samaritan woman are discussing the spirit, the living water, Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah, and the right place where that is supposed to be for people to worship God. This is a heavy-duty theological conversation. Where to worship God has been one of the long-time disagreements between the Jewish community and the Samaritan community. The Jews believe it should be in the temple at Jerusalem. The Samaritans believe it should have been on a shrine that they built at Mount Gerizim during the Persian period, but the Jews destroyed it. This Samaritan woman realizes that Jesus, at the very least, is a prophet. And she's trying to wrap her mind around that he might even be the Messiah. She does not hesitate to ask him what might have been the burning question of her day for the Samaritan people, which is, where's the right place to worship God? Should it be Jerusalem or should it be Jerusalem? And Jesus tells her that the place of worship is now going to totally change for both groups. As we will sing in the hymn in just a few minutes, the first phrase is one of my favorites. I love to hear the stories about Jesus. It feels so right in this gospel setting of listening to how Jesus is treating this Samaritan woman at a well. By the way, do you know, I've often heard that singing hymns is praying twice. Have y'all ever discussed that? We've heard that from time to time. I don't know about you all, but sometimes I need all the praying I can get, especially when I prematurely sometimes judge somebody or a situation. But let's go back to this story. It's an amazing difference when a totally different side is given. In the book, A Woman's Place, Carolyn Osick and Margaret MacDonald describe women's roles in the times of antiquity. They tell us that women, girls actually, from ages 12 on up, marry for the first time, and typically to men much older than they are. And because of this, oftentimes they're married several times. The man is a provider. The young girl is trained from a toddler up on how to manage a household. Doesn't sound too different from what some of us might have learned growing up. But let's imagine for a moment. For the sake of this story, let's give this Samaritan woman a name. Let's call her Rebecca. Now, let's remember that Rebecca 
is probably about 12 when she marries Daniel. Let's say he's about 21. And one day, Daniel goes with a buddy to the local watering hole and gets into an argument with a visiting Jewish man. Now, Daniel is accidentally pushed, but his head hits a rock. There isn't Corellian, there isn't air flight, and so, unfortunately, he dies. And now, at age 15 and a widow, Rebecca's dad, who's arranging the marriage, quickly arranges another marriage to Aaron, husband number two. Now, no one knows that Aaron has a bad heart, and he dies shortly after their marriage. So dad marries Rebecca again, this time, though, to a charming widower who has three children. But no one knows that Jacob is beating her. And so for the next few years, Rebecca's life is a living hell. Rebecca's brother, though, discovers this and gives Jacob such a severe talking to that Jacob leaves Rebecca alone for a while. And later we hear that Jacob gets into a fight at the local brothel, and no one knows exactly what happens. But Jacob is now gone. Now, in that time, it was a custom, and it was a choice, it was, but it was an opportunity that if a brother died with a widow, that his brother could take that widow as his wife. And so Jacob's older brother is Seth. Now, Seth is a really nice guy, and he takes her in. And since he is old, though, he dies early, and Rebecca is alone again. Now, Rebecca by this time is saying, all right, I'm in love, Dad. I'm in love with David, and I need to marry David. And Dad's gone, you know, David's no good. He's going to leave you. Rebecca finds out the hard way, and in her late 20s, she's alone again. But her brother already has three small children, so Rebecca moves in with him, having had enough husbands for a while. Perhaps the night before, Rebecca meets Jesus at the well. She's been home all night, taking care of the children, and they all caught the crud from everybody else. So she's up. And in the morning, all the other women have gone to the well when it's nice and cool, but she has to stay home and look after the children until they can get back to look after them. Let's imagine that she's thinking, it's about time I get out of this house. I don't care how hot it is. And has an opportunity to go by herself to the well. Maybe she's relieved to be in the sunshine. Now, this is an imaginary version of what I thought might Rebecca be or what this Samaritan woman might have experienced. But I would imagine that this woman, like most women I know, can sometimes be a little bit outspoken. She's balancing a family. She's balancing children. She's balancing another man that's living there. She has balanced a husband, several. And according to this story, she seems to be pretty knowledgeable about the customs and spiritual knowledge of her as we might call it now, denomination. She's a savvy lady. Totally out of the ordinary, though, this Jewish rabbi, somebody that typically she would not be talking to, and he wouldn't deign typically to be talking to her, draws her into a conversation, tells her to get him some water, 
And she's sitting there going, whoa. We are told she even questions Jesus. The point is that we really never know all the sides to a story. Any story. We know that Jesus is tired, but he jumps right into the thick of it. And we never hear Jesus judging this woman. He just says he knows all about her and rattles down a list of things. He begins telling her about who he is and why he's here and has this long theological conversation with her. Have you noticed that in the Bible, how Jesus often approaches those who are on the fringes, the outcasts, the sinners, the lowest on the status of the social strata, with big news? Jesus approaches John, his cousin, a well-known prophet, to be baptized. But let's face it, John eats locusts. He's not exactly a fashion plate wearing camel hair. And he's not sure about, shy about sharing his opinion loudly. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene with the good news that he is risen. Mary Magdalene, not one of the 12 disciples. Jesus typically does not hang out and eat with the elite, but with fishermen, tax collectors, sinners. And Jesus even lifts children up, not done in that day. In the passage today, though, Jesus tells the Samaritan woman that he is the Messiah. Although the Samaritan's word for Messiah is Taheb, which means the one who returns, the one who will proclaim all things to us that both her Samaritan community and the Jewish communities have awaited. No wonder she's convinced this is who it is. This is a man they have all been waiting for. Some biblical scholars even place this Samaritan woman on a similar footing with John the Baptist, since both of them were witnesses and both of them brought very large people, very large followers in numbers of people to hear Jesus. Jesus does not follow this norm again of only associating with the popular ones in society. In this case, the Samaritans are more than that. They're known enemies. And following the example Jesus sets is not easy. We can tell even from this story the disciples probably would not have approached the woman at the well. Like the disciples, we are human. And thankfully, God gives us grace. But let's be honest, it's sometimes easier to judge or exclude people who are on our fringes. Sometimes we avoid the person who talks too much or who's not with the in-group. Although I have to say at Calvary, we have only met people here who've extended great love to us in conversations. Recently, I sat with a small group of women, and one mentioned that for Lent, she was not going to criticize anyone and was struggling with that. I was amazed and humbled that she had already made it through just a few days without breaking that Lenten discipline. What an example she is setting. We know that Jesus knows everyone's story, and he does not judge, except sometimes the religious leaders. 
So who is this unnamed woman at the Sumerian well, at Jacob's well, for us today? Is it the tailgating driver who won't let us get into that lane after repeated signaling? Is it the text who's teen who's so busy texting that she ignores her parent during the entire conversation at dinner? Is it the driver in front of us who at the last minute decides to make a turn instead of going straight and it makes us miss the green light? It's amazing how a story can change when a different side is given. Perhaps the tailgating driver is trying to get, a lo- get to a loved one who has been admitted into the hospital and is just not paying attention. Maybe it is a teen who's trying to reach her brother whose technically challenged parents are not the best at texting and is not having an easy day with computers. Perhaps the person in front of us all of a sudden remembered he left his wallet at the house and has to do a U-turn to get back home so we can get to work on time. And maybe the person who talks too much has few people to visit or is just nervously talking and they just keep rattling on, inwardly thinking, God, please let me be quiet now and quit talking. We're all there. We've all been there. Dear Lord, help us to be mindful, especially during this Lenten season, to meet our Samaritan woman at our well with great love, with equality, with tolerance, especially when our annoyance level reaches a high, high level. Help us to take a deep breath and remember it is the face of Christ that we are called to be, to him, to her. It is to be the face of gentle kindness, and sometimes that means to ourselves. Because there, for the grace of God, go we too. Amen.